Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Whew, 29 days until Christmas. Are you ready? Everybody got everything ready? I, we don't. We got our tree up and stuff like that, but the, to me, this is the best part the the waiting the anticipation i love christmas shopping i love what wrapping the christmas gifts uh, i love baking christmas cookies uh, listening to christmas music this stays in this room okay i love watching the hallmark movies with my wife they always have a happy ending right i love that they always wrap things up um, so everyone has a good christmas and i think that's all of our desires is that Happy ending. When I was a kid, around this time of year, um, there was something that we would receive that would start to get me super excited for Christmas. The J.C. Penney Christmas catalog. Anyone remember those? They would it, it, that catalog. It would appear on our kitchen table like like magic. I don't know how it got there, uh, but I would see it. I'd, I'd go and I'd pick it up. I'd hold it in my hands. I'd kind of lift it up. A light would kind of illuminate off of it. Angels would start singing around my kitchen. And then I'd, I'd, I'd rush and I'd, I'd sit in the couch and I'd, I'd grab a pen. I'd open it. And I'd smell it. Anyone else like to smell books and magazines and stuff? Just me? I'm weird? Okay, cool. Um, then I would, I would start to circle the things that I wanted. I'd write my name in big letters next to them so that my parents would know this is what Jake wants, not what my brother wants. This is for me. I started to get uh, strategic about um, it as I got older. I would invite my parents to sit with me as I circled those things so that they were seeing exactly what I wanted so that they had no excuse. I even started to leave that catalog open. If there was something I really wanted, I would leave it open to that page with it circled with my name written in big letters next to it, leave it in the dining room table, leave it on the kitchen table, the coffee table, and then in the living room. I'd leave it in the bathroom. I mean, you got to read something, right? But I, I had this fear that, that maybe my parents would forget, Right? That they would forget about me. They'd forget what I wanted. And uh, here comes Christmas morning. I would not receive what I hoped for. Have you ever been fearful of, of God forgetting you? Because we give God our Christmas list, right? <laughs> not just our Christmas list. We, we give him our life list. We have what we want. We circle it. We write our names in big letters next to it and say, okay, God, here you go. Please accept this. And then we wait and we wait and we wait. Sometimes that waiting, that anticipation, it doesn't feel so good, does it? That waiting, that silence that sometimes we experience as we're waiting for God to respond doesn't feel so good. We, we wait hoping that God will answer. We, we wait hoping that God is going to fill that need that we have. But, but sometimes that, that silence that we experience, it, it can tempt us to just give up, to give up on that prayer. Sometimes tempt us to believe that maybe God, he has forgotten us. Maybe God, he's overlooked us. Have you been there? Have you come today with a circumstance like that? 
Last week, we, we started our new series, Seemingly Insignificant. This is going to be a series that leads all the way up to Christmas. Uh, the next few weeks, we'll be looking at the different parts of the Christmas story. Uh, and we're going to highlight these, these people that sometimes are, are maybe forgotten, sometimes are, are even overlooked. People that are seemingly insignificant in the Christmas story. But when you take a closer look at their role in the Christmas story, you begin to realize how significant they are. Uh, we'll begin to see how God used these ordinary, everyday people just like us to be a key part of his plan, of his purpose. People that, that maybe felt like they were forgotten and overlooked as they waited on God in their circumstances, in their time of need, fearful that they would never receive his blessing. Many of you know the, the Bible, it is split into two different parts, right? We have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. The Old Testament is the beginning. It's the story of creation. It's the, God's covenant with his people, God communicating, directing his people. And then we have the New Testament, which it kind of builds upon the foundation of the Old Testament, but, but it's a new layer, it's a new foundation, and it's all about one person. It's about Jesus, the new covenant. From the end of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament, there's 400 years separating them. You know what the very last line in the Old Testament says? It says this, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. God, he makes this promise. He makes this promise and then he stops talking. He just stops. For 400 years, they don't hear from God. And they call that time period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the 400 silent years. Can you imagine the Jewish people during this time wondering where God was? Uh, many things happened to Israel in those 400 years. And during that time, people were desperate for God to remember them, to not pass them by, to turn his face toward them and see the circumstances that they were in. And you can imagine how insignificant that maybe they began to feel. Constantly crying out to God, eager for him to respond, eager for him to step into that circumstance that they were experiencing. They were eager for that silence to end, eager for that prophet that he promised to come, eager for the Messiah to come, eager for God to communicate with them again, eager for them to feel some form of hope. The Old Testament, it ends with that promise. And the book of Luke in the New Testament, it begins with that very same promise. And it's here at the very beginning of Luke where we find two seemingly insignificant people that play a significant role in God's plan for the coming Messiah. And the story in my mind, it begins in early morning. We find our, our two seemingly insignificant people, a couple Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth. Um, Zachariah, in my mind, he's sitting next to his wife as, as she lays on the bed, crying, weeping, heartbroken. He, he does his best to comfort her. Maybe he, he rubs her back gently. 
They had been married for a very long time at this point, and, and things had not gone the way they had planned. They were godly people, but they had been living in heartache. They'd been living in ridicule since they had been married, facing a circumstance that they did not ask for, a circumstance that they did not want any longer, a, a hole in their life that they wanted God to fill. Here's how Luke introduces this married couple in the Bible. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were good people. They were godly people. They loved God. They followed his commands. They were righteous in the sight of God. This doesn't mean they were sinless, right? They, they held God's commands to a high standard. They trusted and believed in his promises. They, they did what was necessary to have their sins forgiven. Not only that, though, Zechariah, he's a priest, a very honorable position. So why was this good couple, this, this godly couple, these good people, a priest and his wife, why in the world would they be struggling what exactly could make them feel insignificant? What, what was causing all of this heartache? Here's what Luke continues to write, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. They were both very old. During that time, in that culture, having a child, it was important. Your, your children, that was your legacy being carried on. It was your heritage. It was your family name. So in those days, it was shameful for a couple to not have kids. It was often as viewed as if God was punishing you. Almost as if uh, there was a specific reason God was not blessing them with children. A reason that they were not receiving so you can imagine the pain that they both endured, right? Uh, the looks that they received from people in their village, the, uh, the things that people probably said either behind their backs or, or right in front of their faces to embarrass them, the shame that they were made to feel, the, the tears that they both shared in their home. I imagine Zachari Zachariah and Elizabeth, I imagine them praying for a child for years and years and years, praying that God would fill that hole in their lives. That he would protect them from, from all of those mean things that people were saying. That, that he would step into this circumstance. That he would break the silence. That he would not allow them to wait any longer. But at the beginning of the story, we, we see that Elizabeth, she is still without a child. Now in old age, probably well past her childbearing years. Despite being righteous in God's eyes, they had lived all their married lives bearing the stigma of childlessness, suffering the insults of others, the public disgrace. For years they endured the private tears as well as the public sneers. For years they, they pr that prayer that they prayed, it, it went unanswered. Now in old age they had probably given up on that prayer, Right? No longer praying for a child, believing that that's never going to be answered. How could it? Elizabeth and Zachariah, they're both old now. That blessing just wasn't something that they were able to receive. Had God forgotten them? Had, had God overlooked them? Now they just prayed for comfort. They prayed for peace. Have you been there? 
Have you asked God, where are you right now? Do you, do you see the circumstance that I'm in? Is your face even turned towards me? Are you looking at what is going on in my life right now? Do you remember me? Have you forgotten? Am I overlooked? Am I, am I all alone? Elizabeth, she, she lies laying on that bed and weeping. In my mind, maybe she daydreamed about what it would have been like to have a child. Zachariah, as he sits next to his wife, he, he sees the light coming in through the window, shudders, and, and he leans in close to his wife. He says, I'm sorry, I have to go. He, he, Zachariah, he gets up, he begins to collect his things. He, he makes his way to the door. He, he looks back at his wife as she lays there, motionless, crying. He, he says, I'll be back soon. And she doesn't respond. So he walks out of his door and he reluctantly closes it behind him. And then he begins to make his walk towards the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, being a priest, Zechariah, he was required to go into Jerusalem to the temple different times throughout the year uh, to carry out priestly assignments at the temple. During that time, there were 20,000 priests. So priests, they, they would take turns throughout the year. Uh, they would leave their village where they had um, their own local priest responsibilities. Then they would go into Jerusalem to serve at the temple there. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they lived about four and a half miles from the temple. So Zechariah, he had a long walk ahead of him that day. And it makes me wonder what was on his mind as he walked to the temple that day. Was he praying as he walked? Was he praying that God would comfort his wife? Was he praying that God would comfort him? Even in their disappointment, they remained faithful to God. Once Zechariah would arrive to the temple, he would, there at the temple, he would receive his assignment for the day, here's what the Bible says. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Burning incense in the temple, that was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But with 20,000 priests, there were certain things that not all the priests would get to do because they, uh, certain things like that, they would choose it like a lottery system, right? Draw straws or something like that. So it would happen by chance. Maybe it would happen by luck. But this was one of the most important assignments that you could receive. So you can imagine Zechariah just amazed at this opportunity Maybe even a little nervous, right? This was a big deal. Going into the temple, not everyone was allowed to go in there. People couldn't go in there. Only priests could. So you can imagine Zechariah. In my mind, you know, if, if I have to prepare for something, I go through the steps, making sure I have everything in order, right? Knowing exactly what I'm going to have to do. So Zechariah, maybe in his mind, he's thinking of the, the three main things that he is going to have to do during this time of incense, um, it, it was called the hour of incense. And the first thing he would have to do is he would enter into the temple, into what is called the holy place, and he would begin to pray. He, he'd begin to pray for the people. 
Uh, He would pray prayers of confession. He would pray prayers of repentance, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers for the coming Messiah, prayers for the peace of Jerusalem, prayers for the nation, uh, for the family, for the coming kingdom. As he prayed those prayers, he would take steps towards the center of the room, which was where the, the altar of incense was. On that altar was a, a, a pile of burning coals. So as he prayed, he'd, he'd get up to that altar and he would sprinkle the incense onto those burning coals. And then that smoke, it would rise up into the air. And that smoke, it, it represented the people's prayers. On the other side of that altar was a big curtain separating two rooms. On the other side of that curtain was called the, ho- the most holy place. That was uh, where they, they um, the symbolized where, where, where God dwelled, where God's throne was, his, his throne amongst his people in Jerusalem. But only one person could go in there one time of year, the most high priest, the high priest. Uh, and that was for the, the forgiveness of sins. But so that incense, it, that smoke, it would rise up into the air, representing the prayers of the people. It also represented the people's dependence on God, their submission to him and his sovereignty over them. And so after, after praying, after lighting the incense, the first two things, those first two things, what Zechariah would have to do, the third and last thing he would have to do is return to the people who were waiting outside. People would gather during this hour of incense, this time of prayer. Obviously, they can't go into the temple, so they would wait outside, hundreds of people waiting for the priest to return to them to speak a blessing over them. During this time, not hearing from God, all of these, they were anxious to be in the favor of God. They, they wanted so badly for God to remember them. So this blessing that priests would speak over them that they had been doing for hundreds and hundreds of years, it, it was something that the people craved for. Um, the blessing, it was, it's known as the blessing of Aaron. It's from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. It goes like this. Maybe you've heard it before. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the people, they would wait eagerly for that that priest to return to them, to speak this blessing over them, hoping that it was going to bring them into the favor of God during that time of waiting, during the circumstance that they were facing, during that time of silence they were all experiencing, that, that that blessing would remind them of God's goodness. So finally, uh, Zechariah, he goes through those three steps, right? He's prepared. Finally, the hour of incense comes. He's ready to step into the holy place to go into the temple. So he steps in and he begins walking towards that altar of incense, lifting up prayers to God for the people. And, And it is here in this moment that he's about to realize that he did not receive this assignment by chance. He did not receive this assignment by luck, but it was a divine appointment arranged by God. Here's what happens next. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, for the coming Messiah. <laughs> Some of those words sound familiar. The, the very last line in the Old Testament, the promise that God made of this, this coming prophet to prepare the way for the Messiah. And, and Zechariah, obviously he's a priest. He knows the scripture well. So you can imagine him as, as this angel tells him all this stuff. He, he's trying to comprehend exactly what's happening. This angel basically telling him, hey, this coming prophet is going, this promise is going to be fulfilled through your family. But Zechariah, he was thinking only of the circumstance that he was in. And so because of that, Zechariah, he responds to the angel with doubt. Here's what happens. Zechariah asks the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in, her, in years. Then the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. The angel, he delivers this message of hope, this message of blessing to Zechariah. Instead of being grateful, Zechariah, he responds with skepticism. As a result, he receives that consequence of, of not being able to speak. It wasn't that Zechariah didn't want to believe, right? He, he certainly did, but, but par, probably part of him thought, man, this, is, this could just be too good to be true. I've been disappointed before in life. He had prayed that prayer for so long, though. He had probably given up on that prayer. He was probably thinking to himself, man, I've not prayed for a son for years. I've forgotten about that. I let go of that prayer. How could it come true now when my wife is so old, when I am so old? Zechariah was looking at the circumstance again, looking at the circumstance he was in first and looking at what God could do second. While all of this is happening in the temple, as, as Zechariah is attending this divine appointment, uh, imagine the people outside, eagerly waiting at the steps of the temple, waiting for their priest, Zechariah, to return to speak this blessing over them. Here's what the Bible says. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. This was supposed to happen fast. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. Zechariah, now he is unable to speak that blessing, the blessing of Aaron over these people. Unable to speak into the circumstance that they were in. Did they leave feeling disappointed? Maybe, but they had no idea that something even greater was about to come. But Zechariah, he, he finishes his time of service in Jerusalem at the temple. And then finally the time came for him to walk back home. Um, can you imagine him as he walks home that day after experiencing that in the temple? 
what was going through his mind, uh, probably going through everything that the angel had told him, probably trying to figure out how am I going to communicate this to my wife? How is she going to react? Here's what the Bible says. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. And this, these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Elizabeth, she reacts with gratitude towards God, thankful for God answering a prayer that, that maybe she had given up on. And can you see her now in that bed? Maybe now sitting up, maybe smiling down at her five-month baby bump. Maybe now Zachariah, he is kneeling next to his wife, unable to speak, but you can translate how he's feeling from the expression on his face. He is just filled with joy, a smile on his face as he gently now rubs his wife's baby bump. And maybe now she's still crying. She still has tears streaming down her face. But now there are tears of gratitude, tears of thanksgiving, tears of joy, each tear a reminder for God's faithfulness. Eventually, Elizabeth, she gives birth to a healthy baby boy. I bet that boy was loved. And when it comes time to name the baby, Elizabeth, she tells everyone who's surrounding her the name of the baby is John. Her, her family, the people surrounding her, they say, no way, you can't name him John. That's crazy. It's got to be named after his father. The, the family name has to be carried on. So they turn to Zachariah to see how Zachariah is going to respond. Is he going to be upset about what his wife just said? Here's how Zachariah responds. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. Zachariah, he follows the commands that he had received from Gabriel. And he gives the the boy, the name John. Even though Zachariah had failed before, he had been given a second chance at faith. And now he could speak again. Immediately when he could speak again, he starts speaking words of gratitude towards God. He starts singing. He starts praising God. The Bible says, Zachariah, he sings this song of praise to God. The first part of the song, it's giving praise to God. The second part is, is declaring who that baby would become, who that baby would be, what that baby would do for the coming Messiah, what that baby would do for God and the people of Israel. In my mind, Zechariah, he takes his baby into his arms and now being able to speak once again, in my mind, he begins to say the blessing of Aaron over his own baby boy. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May, may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That baby would grow to be John the Baptist. A prophet promised by the Old Testament, a prophet who would prepare the people of Israel for the coming Messiah, Jesus. A, a man who would get the blessing of baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River. A man who would follow in the footsteps of his parents and remain faithful to God up until he was put to death. And something I, I love about this story 
is the significance of their names. You know what the name Zechariah means? It means God remembers. You know what the name Elizabeth means? God's promise. You know what the name John means? God is gracious. That's exactly what, what those people who were gathered for prayer, waiting for Zechariah to return, that's exactly what they wanted. They, they wanted God to remember them. They wanted God to keep his promise. They wanted God to be gracious to them, that his favor would be upon them. And that's why they were so eager for, for Zechariah to return, to speak that blessing over them. That's why they waited so that God would step into their circumstance. Uh, they wanted the silence to end. They wanted the wait to be over. They wanted God's face to shine upon them for him to bless them and give him his grace and peace. Maybe you've come today with that same desire for God to remember you in the circumstance that you're in, to fill in the hole that you've been experiencing, to break the silence, to stop the time of waiting. In 1979, outside of Jerusalem, uh, they were excavating um, burial caves. So they're in this cave, digging around, looking for um, artifacts and things like that. Eventually, they find a, a secret burial chamber beneath that cave. And in that chamber, they find obviously skeletons, but they, they find all these other objects. They find glass, they find pottery, they find gold, they find silver, precious stones, a ton of different stuff. Uh, amongst those objects, they find two very small rolled up silver scrolls around one inch long. They're known as the Ketephenom scrolls. They examined these scrolls, excited to see what they were all about, excited to see where, uh, where, um, what date they came from. They, they learned that they came from 600 B.C., that predates the Dead Sea Scrolls. And for any Bible nerds out there like me, this is, these scrolls come from pre-exile, from probably the time of the prophet Jeremiah. And there's a picture of them right there. Um, so these scrolls were, were from a, a time probably 600 years before Zechariah was in the temple speaking to that angel. So obviously people are excited about these scrolls. They continue to examine them. They continue to look closer at them and, and they begin to realize that there is writing on these scrolls. And they examine the writing. They, they realize it's an ancient Hebrew text. You know what was written on those scrolls? On one of them at least. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The blessing of Aaron written on one of those tiny little scrolls. The other scroll had, had um, scripture from Deuteronomy on it. Those scrolls, they were made of 99% silver, which is incredible. But, but someone would wear those scrolls, those, those tiny scrolls, they were made into amulets. They would wear that amulet on their forehead, maybe on their arm, maybe around their neck, but they would wear those amulets to remind them of the God that they served. They would wear those amulets to remind them of the good character of, of God's loving nature, of, of God's care for his people. 
My friends, God's promises, they do not change. His blessings, they will always remain. His faithfulness to, to us, it is the same from age to age. His love for you, it has been solidified. His love for you, each and every one of you, it can be identified through his one and only son, Jesus. We can look at the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and we can know that God, he remembers his promises of grace for us. And you can look to Jesus and be assured that God, he is with you. And no matter what you are experiencing, no matter what your circumstance looks like, God, he is with you, looking to bless you, looking to help you. God, he is holding you close when you are in the heartache. He is holding you like a baby. Whispering over you, I'm with you, I got you. In the pain, whatever pain you're experiencing, he is holding you, whispering over you, I'm with you, I got you. The tribulation, the, uh, the mistakes after mistakes after mistakes, whatever you are experiencing, God is holding you, whispering over you, I'm with you, I got you. He is declaring over you the plans that he has for you. Saying, just wait, not too much longer, just wait, stay with me, hang in there. Just wait till you see what is coming, you can trust me. God, he has a plan, he has a purpose for you. You are not forgotten. You are not alone. You are not overlooked. No matter what circumstance you are going through, no, how, no matter how loud the silence may be. And he is calling you to trust him. He is calling you to not grow bitter while you wait, but instead to celebrate, to sing songs of praise to his name because of Jesus Christ, because of Jesus, God's promise of grace. It will always remain. But we have to remind ourselves to live in that reminder, right? Constantly reminding ourselves of, of God's good nature, God's care and love for his creation. Remember the, the people's names. God remembers God's promises. God is gracious. No matter what circumstance we face, we have to remember the promises of God's grace, the grace that we receive through Jesus. Through Jesus, we have been given the message of hope. Through Jesus, we have been given a message of blessing. Will you receive it? Will you remember it? I have an eight-year-old son named David. Oh man, I'm over my time. I have an eight year son named David. Um, he's in third grade. I, I take him to school every single day. And uh, I don't think kids get enough credit for, for everything they go through nowadays. They go to a building for, for six, eight hours a day or even kids that are homeschooled, they got a lot that they go through. Um, so as, as I drive my, my son David to school, I, I try to play worship music in the mornings. because I want the words from those songs ringing in his ears throughout the day. As he leaves my car and he walks into the school building, I want him to remember the truth of the God that he serves. And we had a parent-teacher conference the other day. Um, it went great. She had a lot of good things to say about David, but, but the best thing that she said, whew, She said he sings all day long. She said he's always humming. 
So in my mind, God, my son David, he's continuing to, re, to re, re, hear the words from those worship songs, to hear the praise, the song singing goodness to God throughout the day, reminding himself that, that he serves a God that is blessing him, that is keeping him, reminding himself that he serves a God whose face is shining upon him no matter what circumstance he faces that day, that God is being gracious to him that he serves a God whose face is turned towards him and is in love with him and giving him peace. And that is my same desire for each and every one of you, that you will leave this place no matter what circumstance you are going back to, no matter uh, how much longer you have to wait, no matter how long the silence is, that you would know that God, he is for you, that his favor, it is upon you. And that because of Jesus, God will always remember his promises of grace for your life. So hold on, he is with you. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.